0: We started a new series last Sunday called Majoring in the Minor."s It's going to be a series going through all 12 of the minor prophets. And so we're in the first one, which is the book of Hosea, which you will find nestled in your Bible. If you weren't here last week and you don't have your marker there, you'll find a nestled right between Daniel and Joel. So that, hopefully, hopefully that helped. Daniel's a larger book, so normally when you're flipping through, you can see him a lot easier than you can, like uh, Hosea. So as you turn to Hosea, Let's ask the Lord to give us wisdom and insight and understanding into his word. Heavenly Father, we come before for you this morning. develop a new understanding of discipline and the necessity for it in our lives. And help us to see that as we go through discipline, Lord, we would see your loving hand right there with us. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of this today is Discipline. answers, because I'm both a parent and a child, what their favorite part of the relationship is. I'm often surprised and astounded, out of all the answers that I can get, no one has ever once told me their favorite part of growing up was receiving discipline. Nobody has ever listened to that, my favorite childhood memory is being disciplined. It just doesn't come up. Or... No parent has ever told me that their favorite part, the part that, you know, nobody ever told them was going to be so joyous when they were having kids, was disciplining them. That's because disciplining is probably the least. The word. Okay? So, if you're going to have it any way, you can with God and maybe you can handle it. Proverbs 13, 24 says, the one who will not use the rod hates his son, but the one who loves him disciplines him diligently. Proverbs 15, 32 says, anyone who ignores discipline despises himself, but who acquires good sense. Proverbs 12, 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But the one who hates correction is stupid. And also, the Lord has to speak to wake us up to some realities. And Proverbs 15, 5 says, A fool despises his father's the person who accepts correction is sensible. Alright, now we all understand discipline, that's it for the week. Just kidding. Discipline is never fun for either the parent or the child, okay? And you remember the saying, well, I remember the saying, this is going to hurt me a whole lot more than it's going to hurt you. And I said, like, well, how come you're not the one getting spray. I needed to. You know, there's many examples in the Bible of parents who did not discipline their children, and they suffered greatly for it. Some of them had their children killed directly from others. went through a long process of their children just being ridiculous. David, King David, did not discipline his children. And it showed as each one tried to overthrow the other and take thrones and stuff like that. They were being a throne was in the Bible long before it was ever on TV, and I don't like watching it either. Just wanted to let you guys know that. Shows love for their child, and the same is true when God disciplines us. We need to understand that correlation. We need to understand it because the Lord does not hesitate to discipline us, but we always kind of look at him like, "Oh my gosh, you are not a loving God after all." When in the is, He loves us so much that He cannot leave us where we are. He's casting us out. It's actually His reminder that you are His. So when you feel the discipline of the Lord, be joyful. That means you're His. If you weren't His, He would not discipline you. Hebrews 12, 5, it says, And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly, or lose heart when you are recruited by Him. For the Lord Illegitimate children and not sons. You see, you see the importance of it is, if God is not disciplining you, when you know that, when you're like, I should be getting disciplined for this, I can't believe I'm getting away with this, I can't believe that He's allowing this to work, you need to check your relationship with God. If you're getting disciplined by God, it doesn't mean that God, oh no, He's mad at me, I've, I've crossed the line this time, that's it, He's kicking me out of the house. That's not true. But He will back into that that community and that uh, loving relationship with Him. Discipline is a protector and a loving guard for one's life. And this is why the Father disciplines us, and this is why we need to see it as a loving head long. When your mom tells you don't run into the street, you don't run into the street. When your mom says, hey, that's not a group of kids you should be hanging out with, don't hang out with them. They're trying to save you. They can see the danger up ahead. When God tells you, you don't need that in your life, He's trying to save you. Hebrews 12 says, no, discipline seems enjoyable at the time, that is a not statement. Isaiah is all about the Lord's discipline of His unfaithful life. Israel has seen to be the example of Hosea's life. Gomer. The discipline of the Lord provides a loving head around His unfaith- unfaithful life, and the Lord uses discipline to remind how horrible sin is, and also to provide a way of restoration and redemption. So, join with me as we jump to Hosea we're going to start in verse 2, and I want us to look how the Lord disciplines so that when we experience discipline of the Lord instead of recoiling and rebelling against Him, we would actually find peace and comfort even in the discomfort of discipline, knowing it's an expression of His love and His care, and it comes only with His desire to restore relationship. Verse 2, it says, Rebuke. Rebuke her, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. Let her remove the promiscuous look from her face and her adultery from between her breasts. Otherwise I will strip her naked and expose her as she was on the day of her birth. I will make her like a desert and like a park's land, and I will let her die of thirst. I will have no compassion over her children, because they are the children of promiscuity. Yes, their mother is promiscuous, and she conceived them and acted shameful. For she thought, I will follow my lovers, the men who give me my food and water, my wool and flax, my oil and drink. Therefore, this is what I will do. I will block her way with thorns. I will enclose her with a wall, so that she cannot find her paths. She will pursue her lovers, but not catch them. And she will look for them, but not find them. And she will think, I will go back to my former husband, for it was better for me then is not recognize that it is I who gave her the grain, the new wine, the fresh oil. I left the silver and gold on her, which they used for pale. Therefore, I will take back my grain in its time, and my new wine in its season. I will take away my wool of linen, which were to cover her nakedness. And now I will expose her shame in the sight of her lovers, and no one will rescue her from my power. I will put an end to all her celebrations. Moon, sabbaths, all her festivals. I will devastate her vines and fig trees, and she thinks that these are her wages that her lovers have given her. I will turn them into a thicket, and the wild animals will eat them, and I will punish her for the days of the bales, to which she burned incense, and she put rings in her jewelry and followed her lovers, but she forgot me. This is the Lord's declaration read that along with me and you're like I don't see any of what he was just talking about when we get there. This sounds very harsh and this sounds terrible all the way around. And that's when I first thought when I first met it. But as we go into it, I think we're going to if you will not acknowledge the fact that they're sinning, If you don't see what they're doing wrong, you cannot correct them. You can't just pretend everything's A-OK and expect anything to change. Showing her students says, Rebuke your mother. Rebuke her. For she's not my wife and I'm not her husband. And this is not Hosea playing the children against the mother and saying, Hey, be on my side because look at what she's doing. Characters that are going to appear throughout the book of Hosea. There's Hosea, his wife, Gomer, who is a, a harlot. She never stops. In fact, he married her as she was a harlot already. And then they have three children Jezreel, which means God sows, Lo Roma, which means no love or no compassion, and Lo Ami, which means not my people. And this is the family. represents God, imperfectly, of course. And Dolan represents the unfaithful Israel, and she does that perfectly because the way that she acts is exactly as God's people act towards him. That marriage together represents the relationship or marriage between God and Israel, rife right with Israel's adultery and idolatry. The children represent the children of God in Israel, some faithful, some not. God says to the children, he says come and rebuke their mother. What he's saying is people of Israel rebuke their nation as a whole. This rebuke is not a strong correction, though they're not going back and you know, the children don't rebuke the parents it just doesn't work that way. God's not going to change the plan for that, but what is going on is the word rebuke is actually the said, rest should It means to strive. It means to quarrel, attack, or complain, make or contest a lawsuit. The sense of the word is to contend legally. It's maintaining, asserting, defending, and arguing for a side in a legal proceeding. This could be a formal legal accusation or charge. God is saying to the people of Israel, call out your nation and bring charges to her because what she is doing is not right, not legal, and she's failing to uphold her covenantal promises. So God speaks and he says, this is, she is not my wife and I am not her husband. This isn't a declaration of God saying I'm done with Israel. Go away, I mean, I'm no longer there to you. Know, you are free to do as you want. Because you can come to these where people can go, wow, God backed out just like that. God has no desire to end the relationship. The context shows that He has every desire to. to remind Israel that God is serious about sin. We have many different ways that we talk about sin, right, and say, oh, that's just my mistake, or that, you know, that's just my, that's the way I was, I I am, this is my flesh. We we talk about all sorts of different ways, and we we call our pet sin, and we we make it sound cute. We need to get back to the point where we understand that sin is serious. Sin separates the sin of unfaithfulness and idolatry is similar to unfaithfulness of adultery. God is saying this relationship is broken. You see, through Israel's continuous idolatry and unfaithfulness, she as a nation is saying, I am not God's wife. And treating God saying, I don't want you to be my God, and I don't want to be your people. The sin she's enjoying has broken the covenant relationship, and you cannot live as though you are not married, and say that you are married. Many people try to do this today. They enter into this marriage relationship, and you know what they think makes a married? a piece of paper. is what makes the marriage. It's the covenant that you enter into. The promise, I will do this, you will do that, this and that. But instead of caring for myself, I will now care for another person entirely because that other person is going to care for me, so I don't have to. That's what makes the marriage. do it. It's the fulfillment of a covenant that makes it true. It's not the covenant itself. It's the fulfillment of it. If you make a covenant, but you never honor it or fulfill it, then that covenant really exists to you. That's the thing. So God, at this point, he can exercise legal prerogative and have his wife legally put to death. You see, most times you had. Exodus 20, verse 10. If a man commits adultery with a married woman, if he commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put. Sin against God, which all sin is. But also notice that instead of choosing legal prerogatives, God is choosing a different prerogative. We see that in the appeal for repentance. When we discipline our children, the goal is not to make our children cry and hate the day that they were born, it's to bring about repentance. says, otherwise I will strip her naked and expose her as she was on the day of her birth, and I will make her like a desert, and like a parched land, and I will let her die of thirst. I will have no compassion on her children, because they are children a promise of So Lord, instead of exercising the legal right to put her to death, there's an appeal for repentance. Calling on the nation to abandon its adulterous activities. Now repent, Repentance involves a change of heart, attitude, and behavior towards the sin. It's where you turn from thinking that that sin is enjoyable to understanding the sin we call it does. That sin is destructive, horrible, and I need to cut it out. And we completely turn from it. It's not enough to cut back on the sin, but that we cut it out completely. That's repentance. We have to cut it out. We have to treat it. I mean, Jesus used hyperbole when he was talking about it. He said, If your left hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Please don't do that literally. But understand that he's using hyperbole to say, We have to deal harshly with the sin in our life. The Lord says as much He says, Let her remove the promiscuous look from her face and adultery from between her breasts. Now, in those days, the in such a way with makeup that you would know that they are a harlot. There was a different way of putting on makeup. I don't don't know what that is. I didn't study that far into it. Um, It's also believed that uh, removing the reference to removing the emoji from between the grass could be a reference to certain jewelry that was also worn. that would hang down like a pendant, and it would hang down on the chest, and it would also allude to their harlotry. tree. This was a way to advertise that. Um, But more significantly, I think, the face and breast also relate entirely to personality and intent than the breast relating to the body The emphasis on what it is, what the body is used for. I also see the plea for removing the sin not only outwardly appearance, but from between the breasts also. from you, especially from the heart. I always go back to this verse. This verse is a, a formative verse in my Christian walk in my life. It's always at the forefront of my life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it sprained the issues of life. Remember when Jesus said, it's not what comes what goes into the mouth that the final people will out, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks for. Never know when I'm going to get you. He says, I will. He said, I will strip her naked and expose her as on the day of her birth. Since the of eaten, never had any sin. Ever since that day, nakedness has been associated with shame. And what he's you is from the living waters. And so you will die of thirst. He said, I will have no compassion on your children because their children of promiscuity. And you. This is a reference back to the children of Israel and everybody who chooses to continue in this way of life, in this idolatry, in this spiritual adultery. He said, I will not have compassion for those who turn away from me. And this may seem like a harsh threat and that God intends to to the children, but context, the full context shows us this is not the case. And there are similar prophecies, be begun against Israel as adulteress, only to be restored to favor. Ezekiel. Ezekiel 1635 says, Therefore you prostitutes, hear the word of the God. This is what the Lord God says because you are lost for says, for this is what the Lord God says, I will deal with you according to what you have done, since you have despised people by breaking the covenant, but I will remember the covenant I made with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish a permanent covenant with you. Then you will remember your ways and be ashamed when you receive your older and younger sisters. I will give them to you as daughters, But not because of your covenant. I will establish... Up when you're faithless. Don't say, That's it. I, I should even be a Christian. I should just walk away. I should be done with it. I should just pack up my stuff and, and walk away from it because I can't even be trusted to be faithful. How knew you would be. But you know what God promised to be in your stead? Faithful. In fact, in Second Timothy chapter 2, there is a part that says, Even if we are faithless, language he uses to emphasize the severity of the offense that is created. It's no light thing to sin against God in unfaithfulness and idolatry. The Lord, however, desires to discipline with the sole goal of redemption. And so we get an idea of a uh, We leave them in that state, and we just let them kind of find their own way out of it. What we do is we discipline them, and then at a later time, we come back to them. We restore the relationship that's exemplified by God. That is the example that we're supposed to be giving. There is no discipline that is enjoyable, but it must be endured in order for it to have. God's going to give the discipline, and then there's going to be the redemptive goal. The Lord does not punish just to punish. He's seeking to accomplish an aim or a goal, and that's restoration and redemption. Number one, He will hedge in. Look at verses 5 to 7. It says, Yes, their mother is promiscuous. She conceived them and acted shamefully, for she thought, I will find. says verse 6, Therefore, this is what I will do. I will block her way with thorns. I will enclose her with a wall so that she cannot find her paths. She will pursue her lovers but not catch them. She will look for them but not find them. Then she will think, I will go back follow her lovers. She sees them as the ones who are providing for her and giving her the things that she needs. She chased her lovers because she thought they were providing for her needs and desires. The discipline. God says, this is what I will do. I will she's chasing after all these lovers because she thinks that they're providing something that she needs Veer off the path. You ever try to veer off the path, most no, some life gets difficult. Perhaps God is put the hedge there to protect you. We get mad at God. We go, "Why does this hurt so bad when I did this?" He's like, "I don't want you doing that. I don't want you going there." Have you ever felt like your world got a little bit smaller, that the Lord wasn't allowing you to go out and do something? Like perhaps He's put a wall around so that those. actually having idols if it causes you to take your eyes off of Christ. When they feel like we're closed in, when they feel like God is being unfair and awesome, why don't you trust me? Kids, when your parents ground you, they are closing you off. They're hedging you in when they restrict We've seen some of our heads that protected, right? We we see it um, in Job three. Let's say He says, the man. let life get so bad that we have the thought that we need to go back to God, because that's where we were truly blessed. We weren't deprived, we were blessed. The Lord is the one who has given us everything that we have ever had need of. The Lord is... And if you know, there may a kind protection around you, that doesn't mean hard times won't come. And it means that everything that comes your way, God has allowed it because he loves you. We have to remember that because it's so hard when it does hit. If we don't already have that decided in our life, when it hits, we're confused. We're like, I thought you loved me, God. But if we haven't decided beforehand, we go, Lord, I'm so glad that you trust me to go through this. Next time, don't trust me just yes, as much. Uh, you know, this time... God, go walk in the ways of the world. And after being tired of walking in the ways of the, uh, God and walking in the ways of the world, they find a match between them and what they're pursuing after. Because God desires to draw you back. And I want you to take comfort in this. If you do people keep wandering. Desire to pursue that carnality. Because when God hedges us in and allows the temptation of sin to pass, it's then that we see how good it is to follow instead of the Lord. Because while the temptation is there, while we're chasing after it, our flesh says, that's what I want, that's what I need, and I'll for that. If you hold off on the temptation of it, it's not If you wait long enough for temptation, does it not go away? This is the example of the Lord 40 days in the desert. He never gave in, eventually the temptation left. Because here's how it is. God exposes them for the emptiness that they are. And the pursuit of these things is in vain. And we return and we pursue God and we find, in you know, we find God we've left him and he's veered off that path. We find right there waiting, arms open wide, ready to bring us back. That's what we see here with his adulterous wife, Israel. That means God is done with me. When in the fact God is just saying, I need to bring you back to a point where I can use you. I need to bring you back to a point where, where you're, you're in relationship with me. But in verse 8, verse 8, it says, She does not recognize that it is I who gave her the grain, the new wine, and the fresh oil. I let her gold and silver on her, which they used for mail. To cover her nakedness. Now I will expose her shame in the sight of her lovers, and no one will rescue her from my power. I will put an end to all her celebrations, her feasts, new moons, Sabbaths, all her festivals. I will devastate her vines and fig trees. She thinks that these are her wages that her lovers have given her, and I will turn them into a thicket, and wild animals will eat them. I will punish her for the days of the bales to which she burned incense. She put on her rings and her jewelry and followed her lovers, but she forgot me. This is the Lord's declaration. Here's the sin of Israel. She didn't recognize, realize, acknowledge, or remember that it is God, her husband, who provides. And instead, they took what God has provided and to worship these false idols, saying, You've given me this. He thinks that these are wages that her lovers have given her. She adorned herself and followed her lovers. And she forgot me, her husband, the Lord her God. So this is the discipline. Therefore, I will take my grain and new wine, wool, and linen. I will expose her shame and no one will rescue her. And I'll turn them into a thicket and the wild animals will eat them. Israel's guilt is what decides the discipline, right? If this is the way in which they're sinning, the Lord's going to take that away so that they no longer sin in that way. does the same thing with us. She failed to acknowledge that it was the Lord who provided for her, that the Lord was the source of blessing in her life. In this unacknowledgement of God's blessing, when she used, You pursued other gods and committed spiritual adultery. I also want you to see this: the love of the Father. He still provides. Doors open, I see this happening, and that kind of like, Have you ever considered that there's other people who open doors? God's blessing upon you is because He is a God of blessing, not that He is condoning your sin. He's condemning it, I guarantee you. So never mistake God's provision, is blessing for your life, for your action, and for your choices. He's spoken to us in His Word so that we know what pleases us. Change from his word. i going to look at my tablet. He does not change from his word. you can see the book I have open, he does not change from what his word says. His word is immutable, unchangeable. Jesus said, "Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word." is 23, verse 3, it says, Do not have any other gods besides me. And again, Deuteronomy repeats the law. Do not have other gods besides me. In fact, our law teaches them who it is who provides for them. Deuteronomy 7:13, he will love you, bless you, multiply you. Ill, the young of your herds, the newborn of your flocks, in the land you swore to your ancestors that he would give you. It's, it's They celebrate the, fir- uh, the feast of the first fruits. They bring our first fruits of the land and their flock and everything be- they bring it before- Thank right. you. says, he's going to remove the blessings. It's not to make Israel suffer, and it's not for any other reason that we could justify it, but it is to show Israel that the gods that they're changing and committing a with cannot deliver them from the Lord. show you that all these things that you're chasing you're never gave you anything. I gave it to you. It's not because he's saying well, all of a sudden they don't have to celebrate those feasts, but I'll understand this. Remember, Hosea is prophesying to the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom the King Jeroboam says, you know what? How do I keep these people from going back down to Jerusalem, which is where they're says that's where you'll go and worship You only get ease out and I don't bail at both points. So that's where you'll celebrate your fees. That's why God says I'm taking away their feasts. They will no longer celebrate these to Baal. I've commanded that they celebrate them to me in Jerusalem where I commanded them. Israel made much preparation idolatry is anything that replaces God or takes our devotion away from Christ. And God promises to provide blessings so that she will remember the Lord and turn back. You now when it says she's forgotten the Lord, understand that it's, it's not like oh, I, I totally forgot about God, like something I'm mind You know, like when you go downstairs, you forget what you went down for. Or you go into uh, the kitchen, you're like, what was I here for? I hear that as you get older, when you go upstairs and downstairs, you, you refusal to acknowledge God, His goodness, and His authority. Now, during the time of Jeroboam, the second, the one who up those two false areas, Israel was enjoying great prosperity. But in her prosperity, Israel was unfaithful to the Lord and pursued idols and ungodly pleasures. Much like any time you find a nation that enjoys way too much prosperity, all of a sudden there's too much time too many idle hands. And the Bible says that the idle hands are the tools of the devil. And idle hands and idle things cause us to chase after idols. And it's been said before that few Christians can pass the test of prosperity. Remember that because the next time where you're saying, Lord, you've never given me enough. I, I always suffer. I always struggle. I, I never have enough money. Or if you do have enough money, I understand. You're where you're at because you're trustworthy with that amount. 90% 90% faithful is still 100% unfaithful. Israel was is tempted to forsake God for idolatry, and today the church is tempted to pursue the world. The church is tempted to be like the world. The church is tempted to uh, embrace the world, but understand this, God hates the world. The world system it says, God loved the world and gave his only son. Then you believe in him and shall not perish. World or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. James 4 forces as You involve Vulture's people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Whoever wants to be friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Ungratefulness. Ungratefulness is an attitude that can lead us away from the Lord to become unfaithful. It's remarkable the faith that God knows this. That's why over and over again I think you find in scripture where it says be thankful to God for everything and all things, always praising him. Psalm 104. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, give thanks to him and bless his name. You know why? Because we are fickle people. with. Celebrate the Lord, as he requires, bring your heart. Discipline that's going to come, comes from a place of love, comes from a place of restoration, not from a place of removal, not from a place of pushing you out or disowning you. I would say about 99% of problems in marriage come from this part. We put ourselves first. We put our desires first. Any good marriage will tell you that this is not what builds great marriages. And marriage is not 50-50. It's 100-100. But it's 100 of you not looking out for yourself, but for the other. Here's some symptoms of us putting ourselves first. We don't recognize God as being a source of life, so we pursue other things to make us happy, to bring us satisfaction, to make our life fulfilled. We don't acknowledge our sin and instead are proud, and so we experience a dryness because our pursuits aren't working, but we're getting further and further away from the source of living water. And we expect So we need to repent and return to God. Because Jesus provides everywhere where we fall short. He covers over all of our iniquity and all of our sin. As we walk away, we can come back because we have the blood of Jesus to forgive us of our sins. Because when He died on the cross, forgiveness and restores our relationship for us to the Father tearing and child, because his blood washes our sin. That's why we need him. That's why we need him for forgiveness of our sins. That's why He is the only one who can save you and put you back in restored relationship with God. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you this morning, Lord, and Father, is that we, we prepare to through your word. Father God, I pray that you would also provide the strength for them to reach out call out and say, Lord, this spoke to me, this is where I'm at. Lord,